I'm David Clayton, and this is the Way of Beauty podcast, conversations on Catholic faith and culture. So this is number 39, the Way of Beauty podcast. I'm here with Paul Jernberg. Great to see you, Paul. And this is the sixth one with Paul, um, talking uh, about sacred music and its place in the liturgy especially, but I think also more broadly, um, the influence it has on our lives in general. And this is something that uh, really, today's topic is something that really is uh, one that will affect the whole of our lives, uh, the spirituality of sacred music. Um, so Paul, why don't you just explain um, what this means? How can music be spiritual as well sure. as sacred? Right. <laughs> well, believe it or not, this is a subject that often is overlooked. But when I speak of the spirituality of sacred music, what I'm speaking about is the, the interior reality of it in the people who are participating. So uh, music directors, well, first of all, priests, music directors, cantors, uh, choir members, that there needs to be uh, an inner reality to which this music is cor corresponding. It, uh, which might seem obvious, but I don't think it always is uh, true in practice. People are aware of this. So, in other words, there's a point to uh, the liturgy, and there's a point to the sacred music of the liturgy. And that point, if I can put it this way, is is to draw people into this the loving worship of God. And as Jesus says, in spirit and in truth. So that when we, when we come to the liturgy, when we sing the liturgy, it is meant to be an expression of our interior life. And it's meant to be uh, a participation, a deep participation in this relationship of love with God. And so, uh, and I like to break it up into three parts too when we speak about worship uh the word first of all the the profound adoration of god secondly this aspect of transformation and grace and thirdly the aspect of of communion leading ultimately to union with god these three things are meant to be part of obviously our, our lives and in a particular way of the sacred liturgy so uh, I think it's it's important and vitally important for those involved in music uh, ministries to have this in mind. And and so all the things we've talked about so far with uh, the, the structure of the liturgy and the different kinds of music and the different characteristics of music mm -hmm. that it, it needs to have, ultimately they're all oriented, you might say, to this love, this loving worship of God. Right. Uh, I'm just going to come in though. What, it, this reminds me actually of, um, again, I'm always drawing parallels with art, inevitably, mm -hmm. uh, yeah. when, I, when I do this. So the question arises in, in the context of art. Uh, very often people will talk about art as being the, the Gospels in uh, visual form, and we'll say that in the past it, it was there really for the illiterate. 
Um, now, I've never believed that. One, because people can talk to each other, maybe the illiterate and the deaf. Yeah. <laughs> but um, people can talk to each other and they can listen to the homily. They can hear the words of the liturgy. Right, right, right. <laughs> actually, things were transmitted verbally and their memory much more commonly, so their memories were much greater as well than ours. Yes. So I've never thought that. And the point of the art is to... Um, to provide an alternative presentation that uh, that expresses things that words alone cannot. Yeah. And as you were speaking, this seems to be what you're saying. It's it's not simply uh, a, a addressing our attention to the words. This is a very Protestant viewpoint because then the, the word is preeminent. And basically, as long as you're reading it and mm -hmm. concentrating and grasping it, then that's fine. And they may acknowledge that you can get our interest or our concentration right. in other ways. But this is, this is not what this is saying. This is saying that something else is communicated. There is a quality in the music through its beauty that, that, that adds to it, that the words alone, no matter how well we understand the text, that, that it simply cannot do that. That's right. And I, I would even go farther with the music <laughs> and say that there's you you could conceivably have a perfect uh, a technically perfect performance of of sacred text in mass, but that there's something that's uh, hard to quantify, but it's very real that when people are really singing from their heart as prayer, I would assert that that really adds a, a dimension. That would not be there if if that prayer of the heart is not involved. Yes. So, uh, and I'm thinking also this this therefore it, it's it's when you have the congregational <laughs> singing. You mentioned this last time. Um, inevitably, the more people you have, the more chance that somebody's going to be off key, who's singing it wrongly. Yeah. Now, yeah. you don't want that to be the dominant voice. But you certainly don't want to rule those out. I mean, I mean, the richness of it is something that is the combined effect of all these people singing. That's right. It somehow enhances it. And I'm guessing that musically, somehow sacred music will have to is able to accommodate that. Yes. Um, productively, so to speak. Absolutely. It's almost like there's a counterpoint between, on the one hand, the choir should be in tune and the choir should be <laughs> skillfully, right? Yes. So you have that, and then you have, on the other, has, the other hand, you have the congregation who's making a joyful noise. <laughs> right. So, so, and I, th I think that's inherent, really, in, yes. in the liturgy, that, that um, the, those two aspects there. And that's why I love, I, I, I was just um, watching the video, which as we speak is, is nearing completion, a, a, mm -hmm. a mass that's been recorded at uh, St. John's in Clinton, I, I think, mm -hmm. um, for the Magnificat Institute, that's your institute, yeah. Yes. And it's, it's wonderful. So all the music is yours. And I noticed again how you use this device, which is used a lot in the Eastern Church of the drone the easel. That's right. Uh, it, this is something which ordinary people can latch on to. Um, anybody can say, ah. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> and I always think uh, this, this, it, so you can have this, 
you know, complex stuff going on above, but some will join in that. But, right. but if you've got this single note below, this is an entrance point to be fully engaged in beautiful music. And inevitably, there's going to be a little bit of bandwidth on that ESOP. Yeah, that's, uh, you know, but nevertheless, as long as the dominant note is there, right, it's great. Right. And so anyway, that was my reaction. Good, I heard. Yeah, thank you. I, I think uh, maybe I'd like to mention something else here too that yeah. I mentioned in one of our other conversations, but which I think is very helpful. Uh, it was brought up to me by a, a good friend who is uh, belongs to the Ukrainian Greek Catholic Church, and. Uh, it's this whole idea of hesychasm, nepsis, and theosis, which are considered. It's it's basically it's looking at the same reality that that the doctors of the church have talked about in the West as well. But it's it's looking at this progression of the spiritual life, but it's also very applicable to the liturgy. And I think it's very beautiful because the hesychasm uh, is basically having to do with stillness, being able to be still, uh, and to have a certain peacefulness. In other words, if we're going to, uh, if we're going to perceive the reality of something, even outside of the liturgy, we need to have a certain peacefulness to be able to be aware of it. Has, uh, nepsis is, has to do with awareness. So it means we become aware of God. And then thirdly, theosis is the ultimate of, of divinization or becoming one with God. And which is also, all these things are, are there inherent in our Western tradition as well. But I think it's wonderful to have this, uh, especially as a composer or as a music director, that we're, we're doing our best to lead people into this spiritual receptivity that, that it's not and and it's also important because the fact that we're not trying to manipulate people's emotions mm. this, this is a very important point because i think a lot of the music that we hear today in mass is very emotionally loaded and can you know so yeah, go ahead. Yes. No, as you say, and that which is superficial. This this is reaching more. It's pre-emotion in a sense. Yeah, yeah. Emotions can emanate from this, but That's this right. is the seat of emotion. So, and and it's doing it the wrong way round by expecting to to or or it can be. Sometimes you can access through an emotional response, but really, that what you're seeking is not the emotions and end in itself. It's that conversion of the right. heart. And exactly. And I think we should be thinking, I think a lot about people coming in from the outside who have no uh, points of orientation as Christians or Catholics, yes. who are open to their, the impressions they receive. And I think of somebody who's really seeking the truth and, they're, you know, they're, 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 and they, they come into a mass and what are we giving them in that, you know, as far as the music? Are, is this something that's gonna click? I mean, I think it should. If we're doing our job well, if we're singing music that has the dignity it should, and if we're doing it in this spiritual way, I think that it has a capacity to connect with people who are seeking. And I think that is really important. And we must be prepared for, 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 uh, for its 
to fall short, if I can use that word, with those who are not seeking. Yeah. In other words, it, we must accept that um, it, it's not, it isn't enough to engage people if we're not engaging them in the right way, or right. It, it's giving them something superficial, which ultimately might be a barrier to making that deeper connection. That's right. We must be prepared for some people to come in and say, I don't, this is just dry, it's dull, I don't, um, oh. because ultimately some will. But we, we, you cannot try and get those at the expense of those who are, reach, are seeking something deeper. That's right. right? And this is, this is what happens so often. It's not just with music, it's with the whole presentation of the liturgy and the right. presentation of the faith. Our methods of evangelization are um, so disappointingly superficial. In every yes. respect, and you've just put your finger, I think, on right, this. right, and people become very emotionally attached to their music. Uh, yeah. So, <laughs> so <laughs> which is understandable, you know. So this is where I think I may have mentioned this before, where the pastor and music director they have the responsibility to do at least some explanation of what's going on. So to give people at least a chance, say, well, here's here's what's happening. And here's why you might have problems with this. Um, and here's where we're going with this. And speaking like we're speaking now to a certain extent. And people may not be willing to listen to that, but at least there needs to be an effort made. Yes. In that, that direction. Um, and within that, that's why we need new composition, of course, because we yeah. do need to appreciate that even for those seeking at the deepest level, different times and different places they are there are going to be different um approaches to that that we need to need. so even the very deepest music if i can call it spiritually yeah. music yeah. has to change with the times but it is not about moving with the the vagaries of fashion that's right that's right um, it's it's understanding where the heart of people really is today where right. you are and feeding that that's, that's that's so true and i think that's where for a composer or for a music director we actually um need we need a certain amount of feedback in that regard um and i remember tolkien speaking about this and reading his letters that he he spoke about how it is a writer it wasn't just vanity but you really actually need a certain amount of support a certain amount of, of, of uh, positive feedback that what you're doing is actually working inside of people. Mm -hmm. And I think that's, that's certainly been uh, a great uh, joy for me to, to experience again and again how it really is connecting with, with, with people and um, having this spiritual dimension. Of course, every one of us needs to be saying, how can I do this better? I mean, I, I don't want to, I don't want to, becomes ever becomes self uh, satisfied but um, it's this is something that's very real it's very possible to do yes okay the other thing that occurs to me is the uh, the hesychasm and nepsis I've not heard of that word nepsis but it's um, I, when I've heard the phrase hesychastic prayer, I, I'm, I'm thinking right. of the, the Orthodox monk and the Jesus prayer. Right, right. 
Um, but what, what you seem to be describing is what in the West would be called contemplative prayer, but it's very different from the uh, Eastern-style meditation. Uh, mm -hmm. This is something which is a, an alert passivity somehow. It, it's yeah. it's yeah. one in which we are receptive and passive, or, or we're open to reception, and we're not dictating what's coming to us, but at the same time, there is an alertness to that's right. what's going on. That's right. And, and, and that is different, as I understand it, from the Eastern approach. Um, it's, it's particularly Christian, I, I think. Right, you mean the Eastern non It's different from the Eastern non uh, Yeah, so, uh, yeah, as in Eastern yeah. you know, Buddhism and uh, right. Yeah, so right, right. non-Christian religions. Um, it's it's, it, 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 is, it is distinctly Christian. And my, and I, as a Christian, you know, I, I convert it because I think Christian is the fullness of truth. I think it is a fuller uh, and deeper um, meditation, contemplative tradition, actually. Yes. Good. Okay. Um, so what's next? It's, um, okay, so I think, yeah, we mentioned how, so there is this power in sacred music, and especially when it is, sung from the heart with the power of the Holy Spirit. There's this power to draw people into this reality. And um, this is something I'd like to just mention that I think is very important for everyone involved in leadership of the, of the, of, of the music in a parish, is that there's this awareness that we really need the Holy Spirit, and we need the, the power of the Holy Spirit and the gifts of the Holy Spirit to do this fully. Um, now, this, this doesn't mean that we're uh, necessarily having extraordinary manifestations uh, of, of, of the Holy Spirit. Well, it's actually, I, I think it is an extraordinary manifestation in the sense that when the whole, when we allow the Holy Spirit to guide us, especially the priest and especially the music director, um, what happens is there's there's a I experience it as a, as a kind of a charism. That is to say that there's something greater than myself or something greater than this the, the person whomever is is whoever is directing. There's a power there that one experiences that is that is remarkable and that allows the music to go deeper than than just what i could i could accomplish on my own yeah so we have to be careful here which you are <laughs> but I, i'm just thinking about people listening that the because the catechism tells us of course that the <clears throat> the holy spirit never speaks of himself um he works through us and we know right. we might conclude that uh, he is present through the fruits that come from that, which is what you're right. describing. Right. Um, and again, we don't know directly, as far as I'm aware, the Holy Spirit in that way. Um, it, it's we just yeah. become aware that things are something is happening here, which right. I know I'm not capable of. Exactly. Natural that, means. That's exactly that's right. We have to be very careful because the, it also to realize the Holy Spirit's the third person of the Blessed Trinity. He is God, and therefore he's he's utterly beyond our <laughs> comprehension, right? So we're not talking about something that we can control or or yeah. completely understand. But 
yeah, I, I think you described well my own experience is that it's it's more like in praying and you know invoking the Holy Spirit and observing that something is happening here that is beyond what I could produce uh, yes. by myself. That, and 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 having a deep sense of joy and gratitude for that. And there's and even in, in little details sometimes I find myself uh, saying things or doing things uh, to as far as directing the choir that I know this is how to you know it's beyond what I, I think I normally could do and uh, and so I think this is very much in line with the you know with the scriptures too and the teaching of the church so Saint Paul says be filled with the Spirit speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs so. I think there is there is that strong connection there, and uh, yeah. Great, and so um, in order to, for us to be able to do that, uh, we get then down to the sort of, sort of personal qualities <laughs> of of the choir director. Do we all have to be saints before we could even start? No, 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 and. It, like I, <laughs> we, I thought, we, I, I'm glad we, would any, we would not have any music directors or many. <laughs> so no, this is the, the key thing here is the intention, right? So it needs to be an intention on the part of the priest, on the part of the music director, that that we're heading in this, that we're open to to God working through us, that we're that we're longing for that, that this is our intention to do something holy and good, and. Even having said that, of course, in any given choir, it's not like you can necessarily insist that everybody achieves a certain degree of sanctity before they're in the... No, that would be sort of uh, silly <laughs> in a way. Because, yes. I mean, it, I think it's... If, if somebody is living a, a flagrantly degenerate life, well, maybe they don't... They probably don't belong and they might, you know, cause problems. But I think generally most people I work with, they do have that desire. They, they really do, you know, and they, um, we always pray before a, you know, a choir rehearsal. We just sort of set that tone from the beginning and people know that if they don't want to be part of it, they'd get up, they, they probably wouldn't be there. And I, is there some sort of guideline, maybe even sort of law, canon law, that, that um, every chorister has to at least be baptized? Have you ever come across those? Am, or am I? That's a, that's a good question. You know, I, Pius X speaks about um, that the choir choir members should be men, men or boys of proven character or something like that. But I don't remember right. reading about. Uh, I, uh, well, maybe I'm wrong. I, I just sort of had half a recollection that, that I'd heard that. So that it's not limited. You could have non-Catholics in there. Um, but you wouldn't have someone who isn't baptized Christian. In there, That's right, right. Um, I mean, it, it, make, it makes sense, obviously, that, that you, you would, by the ideal, would be to have everyone who's Catholic and, That's right. and you know, is interested in the end. Right. Well, in our re this recent recording we did uh, at St. John's back in February, uh, we, had, we brought in a group, we had, we had about 130 some people in the choir. Mm -hmm. uh, we had maybe a hundred pe people in the congregation. Uh, in the choir, we had a group of about sixteen professional singers that we brought in, and we did not do, we did not question each one of them before they came in. You know where they're at spiritually. <laughs> I mean, which you know, but 
but I think, and I, and I know that they were not all Catholics and probably not all Christian for that matter, uh, practicing Christians, but every one of them really made a contribution, an important contribution to our reporting. And so I think there's, again, it's the, it's the general, I, th I think first of all, the choir director is the most, and the priest, you know, they set the tone for the whole thing. Mm -hmm. And others can either follow along with that or they, you know, it, and um, our, my experience is that has worked out really well to have uh, others come in at times to help us. Right. And then uh, we've talked about cantors. I, I'm a great fan of the, the reader who is the sort of East from the Eastern church. Um, yeah. And it's actually, they are, again, I don't know if it's official, it's called ordained, but certainly that it's an yeah. official position. You wear a, a black robe and you're tonsured in, in an yeah. official ceremony, which are admitted. And the reader is the, is the cantor. And so the leader of the, they're the leaders of the choir, mm -hmm. but they are, it makes the point that they are worshippers, that they're models of worship, I think. Um, and interestingly, in our local, I, I go to a Melkite, uh, a Byzantine Catholic. Yes. And uh, we have one reader who has come up through the church. So people, it, there's this natural progression through these stages. Right. And he's going on to be a deacon. This is a tiny little congregation. It just happens naturally. Yes. through that when you have the choir as a stepping stone yeah as a sort of uh, participation in the priestly role if you see what i mean and um we also have somebody who who comes uh who uh was ordained a reader for, for some peculiar reason that he described at a local latin mass uh, roman rite uh, mm -hmm. church but um, it, that is, is considered valid by us. And so he comes in his black robes as well. Oh. Um, now, it was something to do with the fact that locally they, they couldn't get the servers or something. So he, or he didn't have, I think you need some deacon and subdeacon in the, the extraordinary form. And so it was a way of accommodating the, the lack of something that, that, that he was ordained reader. Um, yes but it's very, very rare in the Western church. But we immediately capitalized upon that when he came, when he came to our door. Yeah. Yes. Well, you're bringing up a, another important point, David, and that is, I think, that we who are in the Roman Rite, I think it's a time in the history of the church where we have an awful lot to learn from the Eastern Rites. And as what, you know, I think it must be the other way around, too, that, that Eastern can learn from the Western church, the, the Roman Rite, but um, what a great opportunity is now, I think, that we have these opportunities to be in contact with one, with one another and to, because, because essentially it's the, it's the same. It's the same Christ. It's the same sacraments. It's the same. Yes. Yeah, so what a, what a great thing that we, we have that opportunity to, to learn. It, it's interesting. That I, I, I don't remember the, there being this cross communication fertilization in England um, and the thing that I've noticed in the US actually is that, so they're my two points of reference really right. is that not only does there seem to be a fruitful crossover between East uh, the Roman Rite and the Eastern Rite 
in the US um, that seems to be working very well. So it's, one is not seeking to dominate the other. Roman right, there, 60 years ago, there would be one which was dominant and you'd have Romanized Eastern yeah. uh, liturgies. Right. Now, the Eastern liturgies, they've recovered successfully in a way that the Roman rites has conspicuously yeah. failed to recover. Uh, really, it's, it, it's shed away a lot of excess baggage and produced, um, moved towards um, an authentic liturgy, very successfully, mm. I think. Um, but the thing that, so there is this sort of openness between equal partners, I, I sense, uh, which I, I hadn't seen before. And then also, I have to say that the Orthodox churches um, seem to be very open to um, dialogue in, in the US and Canada in a way that, not all, but um, I'm used to, to, to uh, in England, through my contacts through icon painting classes. Yes, yes. Yeah, the, the, they're very friendly and pleasant, but I'm a heretic. <laughs> As a member of the Roman right. And, and you know, and I, I would always joke about it actually. Uh, but um, there, there's a different approach in this country. And I think that this can only help. And it, it occurred to me that we've had so much effort over the last 300 years because of the Protestant churches to try and sort of accommodate Protestant innovation. Right. Yet that we should be at least as open <laughs> to, um, to innovation that is influenced by the Eastern church. And I, I would say probably more open. Um, yes. It doesn't mean it's uncritical or it's undiscerning. I do not want to change the character of the Roman rite into something which is not distinctly Roman and of its own. I wouldn't, I wouldn't want to see that. Exactly. So the art, you know, I mean, I'm thinking of art particularly, but music very much as well. Right. But, um, it is through this that we rediscover our own voice, I think, in a really fruitful and positive and Christian way. Amen. I agree. Right. <laughs> We need disagreement if we're going to have discussion. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. That's that's great. Right. Um, okay. So uh, the next thing then is that you, I noticed when we were looking at these uh, preparing for this, you talked about how we have to be touched in the heart. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. Which is deeper than the emotion. So just, just go, yeah, go on, please. So a lot of people in talking about the heart, we might think immediately of, of being very emotional. And as you mentioned, yes, we might be emotional, but what we're talking about here is the center of our being, the part within us that loves and receives love. And um, it's interesting. Uh, young people, I think, are especially... Uh, uh, sensitive to this, and rightly so, that when they sense that, you know, we say, this person really did something from the heart, or when, we, when people are worshiping God, there's something that's really happening. They're, they're really, you can sense when something is an expression of love, when something is, and, and, and people often, when you have a group of people that are really entering into worship with this sense of heart, it tends to be contagious in a way. And I think that's, this is something that 
we don't talk about, I don't think, I, I haven't heard people talk about it much in the Roman Rite, but that is, uh, but I believe, which is is very much, at least I've read in the, uh, in the Eastern Orthodox traditions of the prayer of the heart and the Jesus prayer, that it's essential that we are connecting at this place, at the center of our being, not just physically, obviously, but uh, where the place within us where we receive love and give love, that that's that we're fully engaging there. And uh, so I think that's just, yeah. And, and this is, I think, one of the points that uh, my own background is in the evangelical traditions of Baptist, as a Baptist, and uh, my great-grandparents were Baptists in Sweden. That's one of the reasons why they came across to this country. And, and this was, I think, one of the reasons, this is one of the things that they emphasized that was actually a really good point and a very Catholic point is that, that in order for religion to be meaningful, it needs to fully engage the heart as well as the mind and, and, our, and, and our whole being. Mm. Uh, that's that's basically all and it, it's just so sort of so obvious in a way that uh maybe it doesn't need to be said for a lot of people but now i would say also that that engagement of the heart is going to take different forms and it would for for some it might mean very external expression for some it might be very quiet and very and, and i think as we grow in lo the love of god too it is often that it's it's it becomes more calm you might say as we get older but nevertheless it's an important thing to ask ourselves each each person each each believer each catholic you know am i am i engaging with god with my heart and my mind with my whole being or am i am i letting myself just get carried away in the the motions uh, of doing something, you know, I, it's it's always a danger. I think uh, with there's a certain danger that we become so adept at our uh, routines or our rituals that we have that it it's possible that they become uh, what's the word that Christ used uh, meaningless repetition. <laughs> They're not by their nature. The liturgy is not that by nature. The liturgy is 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 inherently fundamentally about the engagement of the heart but we have to we have to make sure that we are uh, on board with that and and I think I think I, there's a lot I could say about this but that's maybe that's enough for right now um, people I, I've, I've talked to people who are non-catholic who who have gone to uh, Catholic churches and they just say well, What's going on? You know, it's like they see people going through motions, but they don't sense this heart, this engagement. And I think that's another, again, this is a reason, if you look at our relationship between uh, Catholics, Orthodox, and Protestants, this is, another, this is um, so important that we, um, that we have this, this is something we can have actually in common, is this, this intense desire of the heart to uh, to love god and to do as well yeah so as i as i'm listening to that there's a there's a few things that occur to me i i, I wholeheartedly behind you on this uh, but it, it can easily be misunderstood so mm -hmm. um, 
it, as well as being exactly the things you describe, a lot of people will talk about if it's something comes from the heart, if it is with fervor or passion yeah. or emotion. Yeah. Right, right. Now, um, if we have to be active and it is coming from the heart, then it will be done with zeal or passion. That, that, yeah, right. that will be the case. But we can't simply say that, uh, that something that is passionate is right. or no. is, is, is So it, the, the, this is an effect, not a cause. <laughs> uh, and, and, and again, just as we were saying before with the emotion, this cannot be induced in, the, um, in falsely, or, or it's often to be... Exactly. We often try to induce this falsely. Um, and uh, I always think of the heart as um, the, the vector sum. As you say, it's, it's where I am as a person. It's the center of gravity. When I take into account my thoughts, my feelings, my actions, yeah. body and soul, somewhere all of this is pulling me in different directions if i'm not uh perfectly in union with god right. it, um some of it might be together at times you hope that but it's right. but ultimately i've got to do something yeah. that is where my heart is yeah. and what we want so that everybody has a heart and everybody acts according to it right what we want is that heart to be acting in accordance with what we ought to be as a person and we are made by god to love him and yeah. so that's what we seek is that that heart is loving god uh, rather yeah. than something else <laughs> um, yeah. and and that is something that is years of of all of, of prayer but and then the other point is that these are not arguments as some people might interpret what we're saying, for stripping away the structure of the liturgy That's or right. the prayer or the repetition. It absolutely isn't that. What it's saying is these are the guidelines and what we seek it, 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 um, is, is to be following those guidelines and our heart to be in it too. That's right. Uh, then we know that we are following, um, we're responding to God's love. So simply to do it, but our heart to be somewhere else is not good. It's probably better than to following your heart elsewhere, so to speak. But in the end, we do need to, to be there as a person in our core of our being. Yes. And the other, uh, another uh, element, that, adding to what you just said about why we need the liturgy and the repetition and so the structure that we have is that this is actually, this is, the gift of Christ himself. So it's not as if we've invented it. Yes. <laughs> you know, or that, that some group back, you know, yeah. you know, invented it. So we're following these ideas. No, the whole idea, the whole reality that we, that we believe in is that this is, this is the gift of Christ himself that's been handed down. Well, and it makes sense because the question is, well, then how do we love God? Well, who knows? The answer is God knows, and yeah. he tells us. <laughs> right, right. So we lead the Christian life, and, and we engage directly in the liturgy, yeah. and even then he has to tell us, because we just don't know. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, so that is what we do. I, I also think of um, Aristotle, funny enough, of course, who wasn't Christian, mm -hmm. but 
how do we grow to love what is right? Well, we, it's through the habit of doing what is right. right. <laughs> Time, heart and mind follows, so to speak, the, the actions. Right. We, yes. we, when you develop good habits, and so he, he uses as an argument in some ways, you know, you force people to do things. That the, I don't know that quite that, that I would, I, well, I definitely would not go that far, but that's a whole sort of different discussion. I probably, this represents that. But the point about this is that um, we must do what is right and good. Uh, but what we want to do is grow towards that ideal where it's what we want authentically and it's what we yeah. we know is right and we and we feel right. all these aspects of the human person the emotion the intellect the action uh, body soul and spirit so to speak all in harmony and then our heart is with the love of god that then yeah. that's what we seek yes as far as i can see this is a lifetime's work it is. <laughs> um, so, I, yeah, I think that's a great conclusion, David. Okay, that's that's good. Is there anything else, nothing else you want to say at all? Well, we can certainly find other things to talk about. There. <laughs> but but this, I think I think it's uh, I think it's good. You know, we don't want to spoil it by talking too much about it. Um, okay. All right, that's we've reached a conclusion. What a wonderful discussion, and not much music there, actually, although absolutely relevant to it. It's, it's right. interesting, um, the yeah. spirituality of, this, of sacred music. Wonderful. Paul, thank you very much indeed. You're welcome, David. Thank you. You've been listening to the Way of Beauty podcast, conversations on Catholic faith and culture. If you enjoyed this episode, then please give us a five-star review on iTunes. This will help others to find it too. Also, if you are interested in delving more deeply into the material that we discuss, you can do a course at the Pontifex University website. That's pontifex.university.